Welcome to episode 44 of 1530. Today we're going to be discussing, of course, the Australian Open's coming up here right around the corner down under, getting ready for the summer in Melbourne, the first Grand Slam of the year. I know it's always really exciting. It's one that Djokovic has completely owned. It's been his best slam by far. Of course, we're still in a three-way tie at 20 slams apiece between Nadal, uh, Djokovic, and Federer. Federer won't be there because of injury, but we'll see if Djokovic can extend and go to 21 slams and break that tie. Or, you know, we'll talk a little about Rafa Nadal, how he's looking out of his injuries um, to start the year. There's been a couple warm-up tournaments. There's been a lot of drama with Djokovic. We'll talk about that with not being vaccinated and some of the, the ways he's gone about that and some of those drama. And it might not be over yet. I know the Australian government is threatening to maybe exile him again or to, uh, sorry, you know, basically kick him out of the country again. So we'll see what happens, but uh, I know Tennis Australia is kind of standing behind Djokovic. So lots of good things to discuss in today's episode. Welcome to 1530. Now introducing your host, Ben We're ahead and get started Matt. with the stat of the day. As always, stat of the day today is 115, 115. That was the surf factor. For Rafael Nadal in the Melbourne final against Cressy to start the year. So, first of all, Melbourne kind of weird, right? Usually, uh, they don't host a they host the Grand Slam, but they usually don't host a Masters tournament. So, we're not talking about the Australian Open. We're talking about the Masters 250 tournament. It was a relatively easy draw, but Nadal still won. Uh, that's another title that he was able to bag. And Cressy was a, a young American who does a lot of serve and volley. Pretty exciting player. I'd never really heard of him, but he made the final, uh, upset Dimitrov in the semifinals. But Nadal, this is all about Nadal. Surf factor of 115. Just to remind listeners about the surf factor, you basically combine. It's looking at the full picture of your serve, the percentage of points you win on your first serve. Then you uh, kind of weigh that with the amount of first serves that you get in, the percentage you get in. And then you add that to your second serve points, one. So really anything over 100 is pretty good. Uh, in fact, Nadal's career surf factor is 105, which is stellar. If you just take his average results over his career, and that's the number you come up with. And his was at 115 that day uh, against Cressy. Of course, you could argue, well, Cressy maybe, you know, had a big serve, big serve and baller, not the best at the return. But if you're a Nadal fan looking at those numbers, you're, you should be pretty pretty pleased. Uh, his serve speeds were, were pretty – Pretty good as well. His highest speed was 200 kilometers per hour, about 124 miles per hour, which is for Nadal pretty dang good. There's been other times where he's flattened his serve out more and gone for a little bit more pace, like the year he won the U.S. Open, the first time he won the U.S. Open. But for Nadal, career-wise, this is, that's a really good speed for him. His average first serve uh, serve was 117 miles an hour, 189 kilometers per hour. So that's, that's about what Djokovic and Federer go for on their first serves. Pretty good numbers, especially because Nadal has a lot of good spin and places the serve. So honestly, he's kind of passing the eye test from what little I kind of watched some more highlights, but watching highlights and seeing the, those numbers, pretty impressive for Nadal, where he was pretty hobbled with injuries. Uh, middle of last season, kind of called his season after the City Open final. He didn't even play in the U.S. Open. So long story short, I feel like if Nadal gets a good draw, I would not be surprised to see Nadal in the final. As far as winning it, maybe. Um, of course, he's getting used to the courts in Melbourne. He played on the same court 
and won the title in the 250 as the same course he'll be playing for the Australian Open. But a lot depends on the number one seed, Djokovic, which we're going to talk a lot about. But Matt, as an Nadal fan, what are your thoughts on Rafa's good start to the year? Uh, that's, that's great news, right? Um, I mean, so he played, what, three matches here in this little lead-up? Yep. And he didn't drop a set, but he did face, what, nine break points over those six sets? That's kind of a lot. He yep. held, I mean, he, he held uh, five of the nine. So I don't know. He's serving well, but there's still some pressure on that serve. Hopefully he can kind of clean that up. Obviously, in these tournaments, you know, he was breaking back and it didn't really matter. But when you're playing longer matches and bigger competition, you gotta gotta keep the break points out. Maybe nine maybe nine break points over three matches isn't that many, but uh, oh just over fifty percent uh, um, holding those break points. That's I think that's pretty low. Yeah, so, definitely something to watch for. It's a good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but we'll see. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, um, I think uh, he's got a chance to do well. We'll see what happens. We'll see what the what the draw looks like when it comes out. Yeah, I know. Sometimes, at least for me, it's you know, I think Nadal can find a way to get it done. He's not obviously the best hardcore player in the world, but when I see him with this type of freshness and energy, those are the years that he's either a one the the title is won at once down down under Melbourne. He's won all the other slams more than once, but Melbourne's the only one he hasn't been able to bag a second time. He's made a bunch of finals, but the years that he's made either made the final or won it, he's looked very fresh. Um, and this year, I feel like he's looking that he doesn't look kind of haggard. I mean, of course, he didn't have the long season with the ATP finals and the US Open. So he looks motivated to me, but like you're saying, a lot depends on best of five. How does his body hold up? And who is he playing against? Tsitsi Pass to remind the listeners, he beat Djokovic or beat Nadal last year, and he was up. Nadal was up two sets to love, and Tsitsi Pass overcame that and played amazing. And Nadal didn't play bad. He just, Tsitsi Pass pulled out the offense and, and beat him, even though that was one where, you know, Nadal has only, has only lost two matches in his career, being two sets to love up. So, one of the better records. I know Federer's had several heartbreaks in that department. Nadal doesn't have very many. Two sets to love upsets, so we'll see. There's a lot, a uh, lot to be seen. I'll be really interesting to see the draw. See what Joe, see what Nadal gets. Keep uh, trying to say Djokovic. I guess that's what we need to talk about next. So, <laughs> Matt, what's up with the drama with Djokovic? No, there's a lot of drama with him with not being vaccinated, and whatnot. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm sure everybody's followed it in the news. At the end of the day, he got, uh, he got the exemption and. He'll be there in Australia. I guess there's one more possibility of something happening, but I mean, the way things went have gone so far, you know, you expect him to play if you're Rafa yeah. and anybody else, you just expect that you're going to be facing him or that he'll be there and, and go from there. It is what it is. Joke has uh, probably a better ability than anybody. I mean, I'd say all these athletes, if you're playing a professional level, you have, ability to block things out but joke more than anybody is able to just isolate himself and put himself in a vacuum and not uh, not let these things affect him so as far as preparing for the australian open i mean if anything it probably is probably helps him <laughs> yeah, a little, yeah you know i had that same but, thought because you know i know a lot of the the public 
I mean, in general, but especially Australia, kind of getting a little bit tired of COVID, a little bit of COVID fatigue. And, you know, they knew that every player is supposed to be vaccinated. Of course, there was an exemption process, apparently, you know, supposed to be a blind process so that they wouldn't be seen as playing favorites. Only a handful of exemptions were handed out. Of course, one went to Djokovic, supposedly because he had COVID within the last six months. Of course, uh, one of the details that was interesting is that apparently he had known about testing positive and, and received the result back. And then he was pictured in social media or, you know, out in the public maskless with around people. So there's a little, there's a little bit, you know, shade, I guess, being thrown at Djokovic right now. He's taking a lot of heat, but like you're saying, I feel like he almost thrives on that sometimes, yeah. but it will be interesting to see because the crowd at the U S open, if you remember, he's going for the calendar slam the crowd was very supportive of Djokovic. And that meant quite a bit to him. Of course, he didn't win that match, the pressure or the long season or Medvedev playing too good, whatever it was. It'd be interesting to see if Djokovic is cast as a huge villain and right. if he's able to, you know, do what he usually does against when he, especially when he's playing against Federer and Nadal, some of these courts where, you know, Federer and Nadal are more beloved, you could say. Um, so, yeah, be interesting to see his motivation factor. I think the biggest thing is practice. You know, I guess obviously he's practicing now, but, and he practiced a little bit in Spain before coming to Australia, but how much is his routine off? Usually he plays kind of a warm up tournament down there. Yeah. Probably won't affect him too much, but, you know, he was holed up in that hotel for a few days. So, like I said, still a chance that he, you know, doesn't play, but it's, I'd say it's pretty small at this point. Um, the government would have to really pull out all their stops to, to kick him out. So definitely still the favorite, you would say, right? Hmm. Uh, I would, yeah, I would say yeah. so. Pretty safe yeah. favorite, especially down under. I think that's until yeah. proven otherwise, that's, uh, that's almost like his tournament. So, yeah, pretty interesting. I'd yeah I'd I'd give it the second odds. I, I don't think Ultimate Tennis Stats quite had that yet, but I would definitely give the second odds probably to Nadal. Um, wouldn't be as high as Djokovic's, but would be pretty. Where do you think Medvedev's falling? Uh, we know. Go ahead. Uh, I was just asking where okay. do you think Medvedev is? Where do you think Medvedev is falling on Ooh. that? Yeah, I would say I'd probably put him ahead of Zverev as a favorite. Um. Close to Nadal, but I'd probably still give the edge to Nadal on that one. But yeah, Medvedev's got to be right there, I would say. And then Zverev after that. And then that's what I was going to say. After that, two players that have done really well, Team and Tsitsipas, have done really well down under. You know, they've made some finals, semifinals. You know, Tsitsipas is playing, but I know he's been struggling with injuries, including the start of this year in Australia. And Team is not playing. I believe Team and Federer are the only two out of the men's top 20 that are not going to play. So team's still struggling with injuries. Weird to see him out. You know, wonder if he could have packed another slam by now, but regardless, right. He's kind of, for now he's a one slam wonder and hope that he gets back uh, heels up so he can compete again. Cause he's a great competitor, but yeah, kind of weird. I feel like with team and Tsitsipas in the mix, it might level it more uh, after Djokovic, but it's really looking like I'd be surprised if it wasn't Djokovic, Nadal, Medvedev, Zverev, one of those guys winning the title. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Some some dark horses, you know, Dimitrov plays pretty well down under. He's made a semifinal, had an epic five-setter against Nadal and lost. He's looked pretty strong to start the season. Uh, he did lose to, to Cressy in two tight sets, but he's looking pretty good when he's healthy. He can he can go kind of far. I would He could be maybe a dark horse guy. Um, 
Who else was I thinking about? Kokonakis, one of the Australians. He's been playing pretty well, too, uh, warming up down there. I don't believe Curios is going to play. Nick Curios. Um, at least last I read. And then Tommy Paul, American. So I feel, I feel like there's a lot of young people that could maybe make a run, but just really hard to see someone out of the outside the top couple guys, especially outside of Djokovic, really winning. It'd be interesting to see who makes the final, right? Because we know who's set, right? It's Medvedev and Nadal, or Medvedev and Djokovic. Because uh, mm-hmm. Djokovic is the one seed, Medvedev's the two seed. Who gets Nadal on their side of the draw, right? What if Djokovic gets Nadal? That could be a tough semifinal if they make it there, and then... Who knows what happens in the final? So it's really going to depend on who gets Varev and who gets Nadal. If they both end up on one person's side of the draw, that could be really tricky. Uh, assuming everyone wins out, right? There are always upsets and things. So I don't know. I'll be really interested to see the draw this time around. Yeah, I think it'll play a large factor in the success of some of these players. Yeah. As it always um, does, of course, you got other players, right? That'll be very interesting to see how they play center. As always, Casper Ruud had a great season last year, including on hard court that we kind of got um, destroyed in the U.S. Open kind of early rounds against uh, Boutique Van uh, Van de Sanschop. Probably butchered that pretty badly. The Dutchman, he made a run at the U.S. Open, uh, lost in the quarterfinals to Medvedev in four sets. Kind of an unknown guy that I didn't know about until that tournament, and he played pretty well. Um, he's got kind of a big man's game but can also rally uh, pretty well and has a, has a, can really play behind his serve. He's ranked now 56 in the world, and he's been playing. I've been, you know, following a little bit of the scores there and seeing that he's had some wins as well to start the season. Interesting to see how he does because he, he really made a run at the U.S. Open. And then some other guys, right, Tsitsipas, I mentioned his injuries, but he's played really well down under. If he can get going and stay healthy and win a couple matches – he can go really far as always. Rublev, uh, interesting to check his how he well he does down under, but he's always got a big game. So a lot of guys will be fun to watch. But again, it all comes back to that that Novak guy. He's too hmm. good, too good down under. Yeah. Is Andy playing? Andy Murray. Andy Murray's playing. Yeah. So he the first tournament down under, he played pretty poorly and lost early on. But the one he's playing in right now, I believe it's Sydney. He's had yeah. a couple great match wins. He beat Nikolaj uh, Basvili in a very tight match. And he beat uh, another good competitor. I can't remember who he beat. Uh, but Andy's looking pretty good now. To start the season, you're like, oh, no, he's not going to do great. But he's doing okay now. So hope, to see, him, hope to see yeah. him play and be healthy. Yeah. He's always a great player. Let's see what else do we got. I wanted to, yeah, I wanted to look at some numbers because maybe maybe think about um, our, our Dutch friend Botik van de Zanschulp and how how does a player go from being relatively unknown, you know, high hundreds, couple hundred in the world to fifty six and kind of be that that consistent. So I was looking at the numbers and I was looking. I, I thought we'd see kind of some dramatic changes but a lot of it was pretty interesting so drew some of the graphs here at ultimate so if you go to like second serve points one drawing the chart um that one is pretty significant that one goes from uh let's see in 2020 he was below 40 percent, so at like 37 percent, and he was all the way not quite 50 percent in 2021 so you know usually we're used to seeing so it looks like it's 49 percent 
used to seeing a little bit above 50 being pretty uh, for for some of the top players. Not quite there, but huge dramatic improvement. Um, so kind of normal to see that there. Um, don't know how he kind of turned that on to go, you know, keep his second serve and win points behind it really well. But goes from a 37% to 49%. So huge number change there. Some of the other stuff on the return looked about the same, though. Um, so I'll pull that up here. Um, let's go to return points one. Draw on the chart. From 2020. Yeah, so it looks like it's about 31% to 36%. So 5% difference. So, you know, that's... I guess that's decently big in tennis, but not as drastic as his second serve points one graph. And then his aces, let's draw that chart here. Aces went up um, a decent amount as well. Let's see, is this on? And part of it could be, you know, playing more matches and things like that, because this is not a percentage, this is numbers. It went from 100 to 170 aces. So it looks like he really did have a meteoric rise. Maybe I was confusing him with someone else's numbers. And I was looking at, I'm like, oh, they were about the same. But, you know, it'd be interesting to, to see what's behind that, right? A lot of it's confidence. Um, his breakpoint numbers were quite a bit better too. So, you know, sometimes it's like, how, you know, how do you win the big points? Well, I don't know. You find a way to win them, right? Um, but yeah, really impressed with him. I wondered, we'll see if 2020, uh, one was an anomaly because some of his graphs are showing that 2022 is closer back to his 2020 numbers. So kind of doing like a big triangle graph. So, but it's a small sample size. We'll see what he does throughout the season, but pretty fun player to watch. Um, reminds me a little bit of Benoit pair with some of the skill set, really good two handed backhand and can kind of go, you know, more spinny just, just to kind of keep it in. But then all of a sudden he can accelerate for some big winners. So, Long rallies, he's got, he can really work with that serve too. Interested to see how he does. I don't know, Matt, any uh, any top things? You know, last time we did a top 10 of things we learned about the ATP Finals. Any any top things that you're looking forward to this year for the Australian Open? Hmm. Off the top of my head, I don't know. I'm just excited to see good tennis and a healthy Rafa. Yeah. Good competition. So Absolutely. I'm always looking for somebody to have a, a breakout match, a breakout tournament rather. It's always good to see fresh blood, new blood. So hopefully we got some people that'll come shine. We'll see what happens. Yeah, that's something that came to my mind too, whether it's, you know, a name that's already seen some success, but kind of, you know, coming back for some more, whether it's like Monfils making a run. I think he mm -hmm. won one of the smaller tournaments. He's a little bit older, but he's a fan favorite. Um, last year, I believe it was last year, right? With Aslan Karatsev, the Russian who came out of nowhere right. and made that he made the semifinals, I think, right? Lost to Djokovic, but it might have even been a four set match, I think, or at least a three setter that was trickier for Djokovic. So, yeah, it's always fun to see someone's debut kind of breakout match. Um, that's why I wonder if like Kokonakis, you know, he can kind of get hot. Or Tommy Paul or some of these young guns that really haven't made it very far or Sinner. Or if we're just going to see, you know, some of the other guys who, you know, are D Dimitrov, right? He's kind of been around a long time, but he's made the semis in Australia before, but hasn't really gone that far lately. So 
yeah, I'm, I'm hoping, like Shane, some new names are always fun. I like to learn about new new names, new play styles, but it's also fun to see the old guys, especially guys that haven't won a lot, to kind of make mm-hmm. another run. So that's kind of what I'm excited for. Another thing that I'm pretty excited for is just to see the Australian crowd. I think this is the – Australian crowd's allowed, but I don't think last year there was a crowd in Australia, was there? I'm trying to remember. Don't know. Was the uh... – Oh, maybe that was Paris. One of yeah, was that French that they had the perfume <sighs> set, so they had to. Yeah, I think actually it was just the U.S. Open in 2020 was the only one that didn't play without a crowd. So, but I think it'll be more capacity. I think we'll see more energy. I, I think it's just fun to watch the sporting, you know, the sport played with all that energy and stuff from behind the fans with the fans because I know. You know, some of it's been hard with COVID. Even when there's fans there, sometimes it's not the same because there's not as many. Not the same energy, so pretty excited. I think everyone's supposed to be vaccinated. I think they'll be more full in capacity, is my understanding. So that'll be fun to see. I'm also excited, you know, Medvedev, right? He's kind of coming off of his his um, Grand Slam, his first win, and he's been pretty dynamite on hard court. See if he can follow it up. The I don't know, were you able to see or hear much about the uh, the ATP Cup map in Australia? Because Djokovic no. didn't go to it because he was vaccinated. Yeah, Nadal didn't play either, but it was really fun to see kind of a glimpse and preview into the post-Djokovic-Nadal-Federer world because usually, you know, let's face it, right, if you have Djokovic-Nadal-Federer, one of those guys, you know, your, your country is going to go pretty far, right? Switzerland, Spain, Serbia, they were always going pretty far in that competition, but this time they weren't, and so Spain actually did make the final without Nadal, but they lost to the Canadians. Felix Auger, Ali Asim, and Shapovalov, they played amazing and were able to, to beat Spain. They upset Russia in the semifinals. And even though Medvedev won his singles match, the other guy lost his singles match, the other Russian, and they lost the doubles match. So kind of cool to see that. The, the parody was, was pretty exciting instead of just, you know, a Djokovic-led team destroying everybody. So that was pretty fun for me to kind of follow and, like I said, it's kind of a glimpse of maybe what's to come, and there's there's really some good players out there, but there's a lot of parity too. Absolutely. So yeah, I think uh, that's pretty much all we have right now, right? We're just looking forward toward you know who can who can win these last warm up tournaments like Sydney, and then what the draw is going to look like, and then we'll really have a better idea for which matches to look out for, what are going to be the popcorn matches, the first round. It's always a, a good match or two. Oh, yeah, and Stan Wawrinka's not playing either, uh, mm-hmm. former uh, Australian Open champ. So kind of rough not having the two Swiss two Swiss men there. But, yeah, fun as always to cover tennis and kind of kicking off the season, really, with the Grand Slams. So any last things from you, Matt? I think that's everything. Yeah. yeah. Well, then, as always, please visit us at cognitionsphere.com. Our theme music was brought to us by Kevin MacLeod with excerpts from his song, Cool Rock. And please share our podcast with a friend that loves tennis. And and until next time, we'll see you on the court.